Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach, Teacher, and Recovering Supermom, Tori Henderson. listening to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson. And here with me today is a special guest, Hunter Clark Fields. I found Hunter uh, on her Mindful Mama podcast and thought, oh my gosh, I've got to talk to this mama, (laughs) this mindful mama. She just sounds like she's got such a similar uh, approach that I have. I thought it would be really fun to talk with her today. So welcome to the podcast, Hunter. Thank you so much for having me on, Tori. It's a pleasure. Yes, I would love to hear kind of how you came into your role now as a, I would say, parenting coach. You say a a mama mentor. How did you come (laughs) into this uh, role that you now find yourself in today? Uh, it's kind of a circuitous route, I suppose, as, as some things are. I, I think that, uh, parenting in, in some ways was the thing I was worst at. Mm. <laughs> and so I had to learn, I had to really go through an intensive period of learning. Mindfulness has been a part of my life since I was a, a teenager. I was, I was always a, like, I guess I, I was a highly sensitive person and I was always kind of like falling into these sort of pits of of despair and then I started reading and studying about mindfulness and then and then after about a decade of that I started finally practicing it and really realizing <laughs> the uh the realizing oh like these actually these pits of despair just completely went away it, it had such a huge transformation in my life and so I knew the power of it and I had I'd seen that in my own life it had been so instrumental in my own healing journey and and then after i had children and my and as my daughter be, you know started to walk and talk and talk back to me and resist me and i started getting this you know all of my my anger started coming out and i i started to see this and say oh this is well something that i really need to learn about this is vital this is the most important job i'm doing right now and i'm i'm basically terrible at it like i'm doing a terrible job and um and i i just knew i had to turn things around so i kind of really dove back into my mindfulness i dove back into my you know trying to understand like what what is causing all this like anger and frustration you know how can i start to start to heal this in myself and start to even this out and then also how do i you know if i and then once i'm able to sort of calm down how do i then talk to my child in such a way so that she's not such a like ticking time bomb and resisting everything i say every second i say it all the time so it it really kind of came, it was sort of this these two things it was like l- realizing that i was terrible i, I was going to be terrible if i couldn't take care of myself and take care of this this anger and take care of the this stress in me and and all these things that were happening and then also like well once i once i calm down then how do i how do i speak in such a way that she can hear me and we can work together and so there's not so much resistance and things like that and so it was a some intensive learning through all of these things and then 
this learning, you know, as I as I blogged about it and wrote about it and I shared my my own habits, then the work sort of grew from there. And 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 really in some ways like it's in- incredibly selfish of me because I know that what you teach you learn the most. Yes. You know, you and you you, you teach, teach what you most need to learn and then teaching is how you learn best. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly learning from the uh the the members in my mindful parenting membership and I'm learning, you know, and I'm learning m- the the lessons that I think are the most vital lessons for all the relationships we have in our life again and again and again and again. And I, I needed that. And I, and I'm, and I'm glad to be contributing to this conversation in this way, because I could really see that, like that in sort of the mindfulness world, they weren't really talking about these communication pieces. And then in the parenting world, they weren't talking about this important mindfulness piece. And this piece is about yourself and your own stress response. And they, they needed, I could see that they really needed to come together. You know, I was like, oh, these both are so, so vital. So like, that's basically what what I did is bring these two pieces together that, that there, I see them as like two wings that you need to fly because, you know, one without the other is kind of useless, you know, like mindfulness without skillful communication, like it's great to be able to calm down your stress response. It's wonderful. But then if you say the things maybe that came out of your parents' mouth, it's like, that's not working so well. Then you have their time bomb again. And right. And if your default setting isn't what you want to maybe do like your parents kind of plant your default I feel like exactly so when you don't want that but then you're like well what's the alternative like I haven't you it requires mindfulness to figure out what the alternative is and then and then likewise though like if you like say you learn some great things to say to your kids you know that are that are less likely to provoke resistance and all that stuff like if you don't take care of your stress response your brain the that that stress response that in your nervous system will literally cut off access to the the parts of your brain that have learned all these new language parts, like the upper parts of the brain where your empathy, your creativity, your verbal ability, and all of those things reside. Like your your lower brain will literally bypass that. For so, sure. Yes. And there's so many things I want to so, jump in on here. Like there, you're saying so many things. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I think I did the same thing where, so I wrote, a, been writing a blog for maybe like seven or eight years, nine years. And I think it was all for me. Like it was basically (laughs) like everything I was working on and learning, I was writing. And that's what I think made me switch this year was I felt like, okay, my kids are, you know, teenagers. I feel like I've kind of, I've done enough of my own work where I feel like, okay, now I can answer your questions. (laughs) Like I can kind of be not so selfishly motivated. So this podcast, I used to do a Q and A where people can write in and ask questions like, okay, I think I'm finally there where I don't need the outlet as much. So I can really relate to that. But I wanted to kind of talk about before we get into so much good juicy stuff, how do you define mindfulness? So there's a lot of schools in my area where not enough, but it's starting, where they're starting to talk about mindfulness in middle schools and high schools and, you know, maybe even elementary as kind of something they want to incorporate. What's your definition of mindfulness? Yeah, yeah. You're out in San Francisco. There's a lot of great work happening with that. Um, There's a lot of stressed out kids out here too. <laughs> I, That's bet, why. Yeah, yeah. I bet. Um, my definition of man- mindfulness comes from sort of uh, sources in a lot of different places, but basically it's the, it's, um, you know, intentionally 
placing our attention mm-hmm. uh, in the in the present moment, uh, you know, on the 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 feelings or the thoughts or the sensations, whatever is arising in the present moment, with an attitude of kindness and curiosity. Mm-hmm. So, um, curiosity is just another way of saying non-judgmentally, but I like to define it in the positive. Um, and I and I think that attitude of kindness and curiosity is is so so important there. And so it, it's something that can be practiced in many ways. You know, we can do. You may have heard of you know mindful washing of the dishes and mindful walking and mindful yoga and all kinds of ways to practice. But it really is be. You know, it's because our brains have such a tendency, you know, through no fault of our own, just the way we've evolved uh, to be usually in the future, sometimes in the past, you know, planning ahead and thinking ahead and and always sort of going into the next thing. But the truth or is the past, that, right? Yeah, like future or past and going back to like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. What was I thinking? I'm such a bad mom. I shouldn't have yelled at my kid. And like, that kind of stress going backwards or future, you know, worrying about what's coming next. When's the shoe, other shoe going to drop? Like, I totally agree with you. Our brains are just so, it's so tempting to go in one direction or the other. And both of them cause us so much stress. Yeah. I mean, it's not even tempting. It's just what ha- arises. It's what, like kind of what it's happens, like you know, automatic. it's the, the default mode. Yeah. It's kind mm-hmm. of the same 80,000 thoughts you thought yesterday, but you know, the truth is that life is only available in the present moment. You know, we can only really be with our children in the present moment in reality. So if we're we're always lost in our thoughts, we're never really here living our life. So it passes by in front of us. Mm-hmm. So it's like meditation would go under the umbrella of mindfulness. Like that's one way you can become aware of the thoughts that you're thinking, but your mindfulness, it sounds like the way you're defining it is broader. And so it's like you can just be aware of how you're feeling in the moment or aware of what it feels like to have your hands in the dishwasher what, water while you're washing the dishes. Is yeah, that kind of not the saying? dishwasher? <laughs> yes, that would be awkward. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like if you're um, walking along holding your child's hand, you can be aware, you know, to pr- do that mindfully, you can be aware of the sensation and the warmth of the hand. You can feel your feet walking along. Um, you can notice, you know, sort of thoughts that arise and then redirect your attention back to what is happening in the present moment, including that sensation of holding the hand or maybe what does the air feel like and and things like that. And meditation is one way to practice mindfulness. And there's other kinds of meditation too. You can do meditations for many different things. But yeah, you can practice mindfulness in, in lots of different ways. And I get so many moms who come to my the client calls saying like, I want to feel present with my kids. Like I, like they're craving that and yet they don't know how to create it. And how is it, how do you help moms build, move into that sense of presence with their kids? Mindfulness. Yeah. And, and they are craving it. And actually like Dan Siegel, the researcher has been on my podcast a couple of times and he's I talked about it. how, yeah, parental presence is that number one predictor of a child's well-being is our ability to be present, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. And they do crave it and, and we crave it from others, right? If you really think about it, like love is attention. You know, if we are loving someone, we are giving them our attention, 
you know, and you can feel it. Like I was thinking about my husband, like on his cell phone or like, I'm like trying to talk to him and I can tell when his like, he just starts to zone out and I'm like, you're not here. You're thinking about something else. Like I want you to listen to me and you can sense it and kids can sense it when we're not present with them, but we crave it. I think as much as they do, like we need that. That's, I feel like if you ask moms, like what was the best part of your day? Very often it's that moment when they allowed themselves to come into their present time and leave the future and leave the past and just be, I would say like put your brain and body in the same place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's really kind of what it is. And so what, you know, it's it's not our faults that our brains are constantly thinking, but there's many ways to practice mindfulness. I like to encourage people to have, um, I think meditation is like that formal time of sitting, whether it's like one minute long or it's 20 minutes long. I really encourage that because then these other ways of practicing mindfulness, mindful dishwashing, and, and all of these other ways of even mindfully being with our children, like some, they're wonderful and they're great, but we just tend to forget them if we don't have some kind of little bitty formal practice in our lives. But basically, it's when you're, when you're practicing mindfulness, say you're practicing mindfulness with being with your, your child, or likewise, practicing mindfulness, just kind of sitting on a cushion. In both of these instances, you're going to practice by choosing some kind of anchor for your attention. And so our minds are like crazy monkeys that just jump all around, almost like puppy dogs, right? Like little puppy dogs. I like that metaphor because what we're going to be trying to do is to like kind of get the puppy to like heal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's not gonna, it's going to be a little crazy and it's going to be crazy for years and years. And that's very normal. It's, it's, it even has a word called noble failure. Um, <laughs> but, um, but whether you're with your child or you're just sitting with yourself and your breath, you choose an anchor. And so if you're sitting with yourself, you might choose your breath as an anchor, um, feeling the way the breath feels coming in and out. And so when the mind wanders, you, when you notice it, that's like your golden moment where you're like doing a, a bicep rep, right? You pull your, you say, oh, I was lost for who knows how many minutes forgetting I was meditating. I'll come back to my breath. And likewise with your child, you can do the same thing. So you can even set a timer for like, 10 minutes and say, I'm going to practice to be really present with my child for these 10 minutes. And so maybe you're sitting on the floor with your child, you're practicing to be curious about them, to notice the different details of that moment, to notice how the, the, the what smells are there, what's, what do you feel with your fingertips, what do you see? And being curious, like as in not, um, not applying labels right away, not just just letting yourself be in the um, be in the question of who is this being in front of me here right now and and what is happening and just allowing yourself to kind of sit in the curiosity of it and and when and what'll happen is your mind will wander you'll think about other things but your child then is your anchor say oh I was totally lost and thinking about lasagna for dinner I'm gonna come back to paying attention to my child and you and what's nice about giving yourself a time limit for both of those things is that this hard work. It's you're you're mm-hmm. like exercising, you're like doing lifting a weight or you know building a muscle. You're literally building a muscle in the brain. You're literally changing the brain um, physically. And so 
that it's it's challenging. So you you do it, you give yourself small snippets of time to practice. Yeah, I like that. And I like what, how you said when you were talking about kind of your journey and how you came to, you know, like you're like, okay, I, I want to be a better mom than this. You know, my default setting was to be irritable with my kids or to yell. And like, I, I don't want to do that. And so it motivated you to take this journey towards more mindful parenting. And that's kind of what I love about raising children is it's such a strong motivator for us to do things that, you know, maybe we wouldn't do naturally. Like, okay, I don't feel great on a regular basis. Should I start meditating? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Like it's one of those things that's very easy to never get around to do, right? But when you have kids, suddenly we feel that much more motivated to do things that are good for ourselves. Because when we do things that are good for ourselves and fill up our, you know, love tank and self-care and all that good stuff, it naturally benefits our children too. And so sometimes I think it's easier to do things for the kids. Like, okay, I don't want to yell at them and I don't want to be this mean mommy and I don't want them to think I'm no fun to be around. And so I'm going to do these things that are good for me anyway. So it's kind of like this motivation to take a spiritual journey or to dive into personal development. And so I think it's such so great to like take that opportunity and say, okay, I'm going to do it now while my kids are young so that they benefit as much as I do. Rather, yeah. than, you know, it's just like, it's sometimes it's hard. Do you notice that with moms? Like that they're almost like, uh, it's easier for them to do things for their kids than it is for themselves. And why do you think that is? Yeah, it is. It's sometimes it is very hard. I mean, we live in in a culture that is uh, really har- with some ideas that are really harmful for moms in particular. You know, this idea that our our worth and our value comes from what we do um, rather than sort of who we innately are. And and as parent, as mothers, this idea of the self sacrificing mother is still really present in our culture kind of surprisingly and it's so harmful because it just perpetuates you know what it does it just teaches your kids to then not value their that take care of themselves well you know and the self-sacrificing mother you know if we're sacrificing our own needs for our needs for a child constantly it just is this recipe for resentment and for low energy and for irritability and then (laughs) what kind of parent are you? And it, it's crazy. Like we, we teach kind of collectively, we teach mothers that, you know, you, we should just like have this great fulfillment through, you know, through serving others. And, and this is the sort of held in this, this high ideal that we're going to just feel amazing through ser- serving our, <laughs> our children. But the, you know, the truth is, is like, and then, and then this, this, that message gets translated into like taking care of yourself is kind of selfish if you take time to take care of yourself. But that's crazy because your kids, it's not their job to give you peace and fulfillment. fulfillment. No, yes. it's not your partner's job. It's, it's not, not your pat. Like your kids shouldn't be your passion. Like no, I no, totally that's too much pressure on your kids. It's pressure on them. And if you look at the research reports, oh my gosh, the rates of anxiety and depression in kids who have parents who, you know, kind of overparent, too mm-hmm. much guidance, too much attention, mm-hmm. kind of hypervigilant parents, it's like a recipe for anxiety and depression in the kids. 
because it's so crazy. Like, and we think that's good parenting. I mean, I'm in the boat, right? Like I'm a total overparenter. Ask my children, <laughs> but I'm working on it. You know, like that's my default setting is like, of course I'll drop everything and give you what you need. And it's like, wait a second, Tori, hold on. Like, is this really for their best and highest good long term? Just because they want you to wait on them hand and foot and drive them all around town and, you know, indulge their every whim. Is that what they actually need to be a functioning adult? And so this idea that, like, hey, wait, we're raising adults here, you know, that's kind of the ultimate goal. So I have to constantly watch myself. And I think part of it is the culture that totally supports it of like, you know, a good mom has, you know, kids who act this way, who sacrifices herself. But I think, yeah, like if you're, because I love child development, I love education. Like if anybody's going to say their kids are their passions, it would be me because I love all kids. (laughs) But I think that it's so important to make sure that you've got a passion that's separate from child rearing. Cause like you're saying, it's just too much pressure on the kids to like, now it's the kid's job to make, take kind of take care of mom's mental and emotional well-being. Yeah. We want to make sure we're taking care of our mental and emotional well-being. No. Yeah. That's not cool. I mean, and that, that is way too much pressure on your kids. I mean, yeah, that, you know, that self care or whatever that that is for you. Maybe it's like, you know, sitting in a hammock and reading a novel or whatever it is, like taking that time for yourself. It's like, it's not, it's not selfish. It's actually your responsibility because the truth is, you know, are your your kids are terrible are not that great at doing what you say anyway, but they're gonna mimic what you do and how you live your life. And so however you live your life, you know, you want to live what you want your kids to learn. And so if you, are you learning, you know, are your kids learning that they must be going all the time and constantly doing and that they have to be constantly achieving to be able to be worthwhile? Or are they learning that they can have ease in their life and they can relax and enjoy life and they, they don't have to constantly push to be feel like a worthwhile human being? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's what do you see? You mentioned some things like fatigue and irritability and something else as far as like, how do you know when you're out of balance when it comes to self care? I mean, fatigue is definitely what I notice. That's why I call my podcast Super Mom is Getting Tired because it's kind of like that's where it tends to show up. Like, I'm sacrificing too much, I'm giving too much of myself away, I'm not you know, caring for myself or carving out time for myself. And I feel like fatigue is a big one. But where else do you see as it shows up as like a sign that a mom is maybe giving too much and needs to kind of become more aware? I mean, mindfulness, I, I love the term because it's becoming aware of your thoughts, but also just paying attention inward. You know, what does my body feel like? Mm-hmm. What does my brain feel like? What do my emotions feel like? So mm-hmm. what else do you see are signs that it's time for a mom to maybe, you know, seek outside help to bring them back into themselves? Well, certainly that feeling of your you always have to be constantly going and doing mm. um, is 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 one of them. Yeah, certainly that is a sign. But I think that these are these are these are signs that we have to kind of look for and, and find in ourselves. Like we have to kind of look at our own lives and see when are there moments that where you feel, you know, do you have in your day moments where you feel relaxed? Do you have in your day 
moments where you um, you get to have ease and enjoy your life, where you're not rushing? Do you have evenings where you're where you're just you're just chilling? Do you ever get bored? Gosh, I mean, mm-hmm. and one of the things that we can sort of like do to to kind of look at that is we can look at this question of like when you're having these thoughts in your head or, or even when you're answering questions from other people, do you say like, you know, I can't go to the gym because I have X, Y, and Z to do, or I, I can't meditate because I have this and that to do, or I, I, I can never, I don't have enough time to do those things. And what I would invite you to consider it as a way of kind of like exploring this question in yourself is to change this language in yourself to, um, I choose not to, or I won't. Because the truth is like everything we do is a choice, even if it's like paying taxes, right? We still have a choice to pay taxes, not to pay taxes or to pay taxes or whatever, you Mm -hmm. know? And so if if we can then kind of check ourselves and start to notice when is the language of I can't coming up and then in maybe out loud or in your own head or say to yourself, I chose not to take time to go to the gym because of yeah. this Y and Z. I choose not to do these things. And and that can start to shift things from a, a way of looking at things that's like I'm placing myself as a powerless victim to actually I'm making a choice. And so if I'm making this choice, I can also make another choice. And so I invite you to kind of use this like reframe to look into your own life and see where where in your own life it's, it's you're feeling like that, like that help that helpless victim of all the circumstances versus you're making the choice. Yeah, I like that. So I have a segment in the podcast called a super mom power boost of like, what's something you can do to give yourself a boost of energy? And then super mom kryptonite, which is like, what's something that kind of secretly drains your energy that you might not know is making you tired. And I think this is perfect. I think the kryptonite is using the words I can't and I, I love that. Just keep track of it. Write it down. What you hear yourself say, I'm like, oh, I could never take two nights away from my kids and go, you know, to a hotel by myself. I could never do that. Or, oh, I can't send my nine year old to summer camp. You know, I can't uh, miss my daughter's soccer game. Like, where do you hear yourself saying it? And then the power boost would be to actually just. I love that you're not even switching to like. Of course, I can. Just switching to like, I'm choosing not to miss my daughter's soccer game. I'm choosing not to go on vacation by myself because it's just moving you from the passenger seat of your life to the driver's seat of your life and saying like, all these things are my choice. I can do whatever I want to do. And we forget that. We kind of feel like we're imprisoned by our children. Mm -hmm. And I remember having that moment. It was like summer. And I was like, I am. I I can't do what I want to do. I'm stuck here. I have to stay home. And I'm just like, I walk out the door to walk my dog. And I'm like, wait a second. (laughs) My kids are old enough. I can leave them at home by myself. I don't even have to go back. Like I can leave. I could just take off and go shopping. Like they were like nine and 11. Like who's to say I had to stay home? And it wasn't even true, but we just kind of get stuck that way because of course, when they're babies and toddlers and preschoolers, you can't leave them at home alone. And so then we can take those beliefs and we continue them into when they're old and you know fine and we don't even realize we're doing it. So I love that exercise. Everybody go do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
bring so that what, mindful awareness into that into that thought process. Yeah. And I love talking about what are some of the cultural uh, norms that moms are picking up on is kind of like, well, everybody else is doing this because some of them are so detrimental to our health and the health and well-being of our kids that like when we can kind of call them out and point them out and say like, hey, this is not okay to just sacrifice yourself and, and to, you know, do everything for the kids. You know, they've, you know, one of the things they found is that makes kids most successful in their career is the amount of chores they did as a child. Mm -hmm. And so here we have this culture of kind of overindulgent parenting. You're like, oh, I'll just do it for you, honey. And like, oh, you're, you focus on your schoolwork. That's more important. I want you to get good grades. I'll take care of this. And when we do that, we're actually, you know, causing them harm in their future career later on because they don't learn to go outside their comfort zone. They don't learn that they can handle all these, you know, lots of tasks in a day. <laughs> they can handle a lot of stuff. And they don't learn to look around them and say, how can I contribute? How can I help out? You know, yeah. and kind of get that mind that mindset of I'm a part of a community. So it's just so interesting to, you know, look at all these things that were kind of brainwashed. Because I can remember like when my baby was born, like a newborn baby, and thinking like, oh, I'm supposed to go in and make sure he's breathing. Like, that was not a natural instinct of mine. I mm -hmm. had lots of anxiety, but that wasn't one of them. But I was like, oh, that's what a good mom would do. A good mom would be worried that her, about her child. And a good mom would be worried about them stopping breathing in the middle of the night. And it was like this total socially mm -hmm. embedded belief system mm -hmm. that I wasn't even natural. Yeah. I think I felt that too. Like, actually, it's so funny because, you know, sometimes the way moms talk about it is so frustrating too, because, you know, we, we perpetuate these, these stereotypes and these ideas amongst ourselves too, because, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I, I never got any sleep or I, I was always up with my child. And the truth was I slept like a rock and my husband would wake <laughs> up at every sound and he would like get up and comfort this, this child. And for me personally, I felt like, yeah, you should. I've been with this kid all day. I'm going to sleep now <laughs> since I can. And it is your turn. But yeah, we, we, we associate, you know, it's that sort of like good girl kind yeah. of thing. And that, that, you know, looking after others and, and that's a, a way that, that we can be, we go, you know, good. And that's, um, and it is harmful. And we really need to start to sort of push back and, and question some of those things. You know, how much is that driving us and, and all of those things. And, and also what you were talking about, like, as far as doing too much for your, your children. I mean, and again, we can use our children as uh, a motivator in that way to, to push back against it if we have these habits in ourselves. Uh, because it is true that our it, it doesn't help our kids to solve all their problems. You know, right. they need to know how to solve their problems. So if you ask yourself, like, like for homework, for instance, whose whose problem is that? That's that's your child's problem, you know. And and in fact, it might be really much better for them to fail at their homework in sixth grade and have a problem with it with their teacher in sixth grade rather than when they get to college and they actually are on their own. You know, it's much better for them to to stumble and fall and have real life consequences 
when they're under your roof and you can be there to support and, and help them, but to not, to not take on their problems for them. Right. Um, You know, it's a great lesson. And we have to think about what what I struggle with because I, I tend to be on the sort of the opposite end of the spectrum, a little bit of a hard ass. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, how do you model both responsibility and generosity of spirit too, you know, because sometimes we want to be generous and and help each other out as a family, right? That's something that's a value that I have in my family. Now we, we want to do that, but then how do we do that, but also hold the line of responsibility? Like, no, that's your mess. You're cleaning it up kind of thing. So it's, it's an interesting, and it really goes back to that, like kind of like that awareness of what is the middle path? What do you have a tendency towards? Like, how, how can you have the self-awareness to know that, you know, oh, my, my habit is all, for me anyway, my habit is to say, you should clean this up. So sometimes I clean up for them and I just, in, in practice, mm-hmm. for me, it's a practice of generosity, right? But we I might think, yeah. be on the opposite end and need to practice uh, holding a boundary more. I think when you're when we're under stress, we either default to authoritative or permissive, or we bounce back and forth between the two, right? So it's kind of we go to one extreme or the other, usually under stress. And I think that middle road, the way you just said it, when you're just like, that's your mess, you clean it up, was that you said it with compassion, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we have compassion... That as the emotion that we're rooted in when we talk to our kids, it's not over empathy and like, oh, I have to protect you from all negative experiences and I don't want you to feel bad because that means I'm a bad parent. That's too permissive. And then the other end is that like, you know, you're not allowed to feel that way. <laughs> like, you're not allowed to express those emotions. I will tell you what you feel. So like those are the two extremes. But if we come to the middle and we have compassion for our kids, like, yeah, you had a hard day, but you know, still your day to empty the dishwasher. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think that what gets in our way of that is that we, so many of us struggle to have compassion for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to have compassion for our kids when we don't have it for ourselves. Like, oh, I should be doing better. I'm such a terrible mom. I'm ruining my kids. I shouldn't have yelled. And when we beat ourselves up for all the things we're not doing well or we should be doing better, then we miss having that middle ground for our kids. Oh, Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, the the truth is, is that, you know, if, if we're swinging wildly, between extremes, you know, are that voice in our head may be harsh and, and maybe mm. mean. And, and the truth is that whatever's inside is eventually going to be coming out, you know, just like my favorite <laughs> right. metaphor is from Wayne Dyer. And he talked about, you know, when you squeeze an orange, you know, what comes out? Orange juice, right? You're not getting any pineapple juice or kiwi juice from this orange. So just right. like that orange, <clears throat> what's inside? Is what comes out, and so when we're squeezed, if we're when we squeeze ourselves, if that's this harsh, mean voice that comes out, then that's a problem, right? Like that's eventually going to be coming out for our kids, and and the solution to that is to not shame and and blame ourselves at all, but to 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 then yeah turn that compassion inward. You know, it's hard. You know, I think that's the, why like you read a parenting book and you're like, oh, okay, that sounds good. I'll I'll do exactly that for, you know, five days, and then you fall back into your old ways because you can't get lemon juice from an orange, right? Like whatever's yeah. on the inside is gonna come out. And so the 
the long term, you know, kind of way to to become a, a the mom that you want to be is to work on the inside and to not believe this I can't change because there's that I can't right. <laughs> I'm choosing not to change. There's so many ways you can change the inside. Sometimes I think people think, oh, I'm just wired this way, or I've always been this way, so therefore I always will be. But I know I have changed completely on the inside from the anxious perfectionist I used to be. And you know, like there's so much, and I help people change every day. So I know how possible it is for me. And I think that's one of the thoughts that might get keep people stuck. But if you but if you can work on having compassion, becoming mindful of what's happening on the inside, then naturally and more easily the outside changes. Yes, absolutely. And that's that's exactly like that's why, you know, raising good humans is like this is this is this work that we do first, right? Is to you know, help ourselves make those changes on the inside. So then we can then actually implement the changes we want to on the outside because if we if we develop our own self-compassion, if we develop our, our mindful awareness first, then we can make these changes uh, to our maybe our language and the way we communicate and things much more easily. Because the truth is like there, you, yeah, what you're saying is absolutely true. Like you can change and we know this. We, there's neuroplasticity. You know, we used to think mm-hmm. that we only had a certain number of neurons in the brain and, and now we know the brain absolutely changes. Um, after eight weeks of practicing, doing a mindfulness practice, um, a, a mindfulness meditation practice regularly, um, what they, they know about the research has shown with the brain is that it does literally change your brain where that stress response is located, that amygdala, the fight, flight, or freeze response, that part of the brain in the, in the lower part of the brain, that actually shrinks. It becomes less dense in gray matter. And then after eight weeks of that that mindfulness meditation, the prefrontal uh, cortex, that part of the brain that's involved with the higher order thinking, that the mm-hmm. empathy, the logic, the verbal ability, the creativity, that actually grows more dense, and the the connectivity between them strengthens, and so you're actually literally changing your brain, so you have more access to that higher order thinking. And you're less driven by the survival, you know, nervous system. Fight or flight. Yeah, exactly. And so you, you can, you, it's like literally like building muscle, you're, you're changing habits. And, And yes, those old habits are strong, but what you practice grows stronger. You know, we know this to be true. And so you know, while things like practicing self-compassion, oh, you know, saying to ourselves, talking to ourselves as we might to a best friend, saying kind things to ourselves, while that might feel strange and, and weird at first, you know, like what we know is is what you practice grows stronger. And 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 just like a a good gardener, we can water the seeds that we want to grow within ourselves. Doesn't mean we have to shame or blame ourselves for having all these other seeds and and having all these these parts that we see as negative but we can practice what we want to grow, grow stronger absolutely yeah no i love that so if if somebody wanted to take their work this work deeper they wanted to learn more about mindful mamas where can they go how can they work with you 
Well, I've taken the the work that, you know, what I write about in Raising Good Humans, and I have a, a mindful parenting membership, and that's a great way to work with me. It's uh, you can learn all the all the steps and get the support and work with, you know, hundreds of people from all different places all around the world who are also doing this work. So sometimes people are like, I feel like no one ever in my community, no one is, is has the same goal. So they, they can, they can join. And I also do um, twice a year, I open up a small group coaching for moms that I work with. Those are kind of my VIPs that I work with really intimately. Um, but yeah, I love, I love that connecting with my, my clients and the, you know, my people, because they're the ones who, who remind me, you know, well, that this is makes it so worthwhile as I see their changes, as I, I get messages. You know, I got a message the other day from a woman who whose mother had been in the ICU for months and she said um, her her this that her mother had passed away and she had been sick for many years and and she was there and she felt she was she was dealing with her mother's death in the in the ICU and and she found herself repeating the a loving kindness meditation that I had taught her in mm-hmm. in mindful parenting years ago and she was repeating that to herself and it it brought her through her mother's death you know so these tools that not only what I'm what makes us so profound for me is not only these do these tools are are what absolutely what we need to help us, you know, create cooperation in our kids and have loving more relationships with our kids. But it's actually, these are universal tools that can apply to every part of our lives, you know, and that's, that's the benefit. It's not just parenting tools, right? It's like, you just learn how to just be the person you want to be. There's something about doing the life coaching, parenting, coaching, mindfulness that gives you some space (laughs) in which to choose rather than being so reactive and just kind of, you know, on default setting that you get to choose who you want to be. And it just feels so amazing to, you know, recognize like, wow, I've been really hard on myself and really critical for a long time. And then you lift that burden off. It's like you lose 50 pounds. All of a sudden you just feel so much better. And then that kind of fuels itself. I feel like then you're like, oh my God, I want more of this. Like sign me up, you know, because the lightness and the freedom of unburdening yourself from thoughts you've been thinking for so long is just priceless and it will last you your whole life. I mean, it's just so worthwhile. Obviously, I'm a life coaching junkie. (laughs) But you have something else. You have a book Mm -hmm. called Raising Good Humans and you have the Mindful Mama um, membership, but you also have a Costa Rica retreat, something that is near and dear to my heart. I did that once. I'm probably not doing that again. Oh, is that right? I'm so sorry to disappoint you. (laughs) Oh my God. I am so in love with Costa Rica as a country. I was so excited when I saw that. So you you did it one time and not again, but you got to go. So that was a past retreat you had? We did. Yes, we. I did take a group of mamas to this incredibly beautiful VIP home in Costa Rica with the infinity pool and the ocean, and it was magical. 
and it was wonderful. Um, and maybe so I'll do it someday in the future, but but I don't have any plans for it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll do it someday in the future too. We'll see. It's definitely, it's always fun to put your uh, the things you love. You know, with the, when you're an entrepreneur, you can kind of when you have passions and things that you love, you can usually incorporate them into your business somehow, which is kind of a cool thing. Yes, yes, that was very cool. I got to take my mom with me too. Oh, she came along. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Well, it was so great to talk with you, Hunter. Thank you so much for being on the show. And super moms out there, I will wish you lots of mindfulness and peace over the next week. And I will talk to you next week. Take care. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.